The UK is on the cusp of major change in medical device regulation and market access. A new regulatory system is being finalised and Great Britain is reportedly about to see the first of three statutory instruments to regulate medtech. The first ever UK medtech strategy was launched by the medtech directorate, itself a new entity, in late winter. And political support for change in the UK's approach to medtech, now the UK is outside the EU, is evident according to the medtech directorate. Today, I'm speaking to Michael Brannigan-Harris, who leads the international consultancy Device Access, to ask his views on the market access opportunity that they're opening up for companies entering the UK at this time of change. Michael has been in the medical device industry for over three decades, and for the past 13 years, he has led Device Access, which is based in the southern UK. Hello and welcome, Michael. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast. I think the timing is brilliant following the um, budget where they talked about, as you said, a, a move to a different regulatory model, which will allow rapid, often near automatic sign off for medical technologies already approved by trusted regulators in other parts of the world, such as United States, Japan and Europe. So that's looking really exciting. And them saying about the MHRA putting in the quickest, simplest regulatory approval in the world for companies seeking market. And access. So I think this is a very timely podcast and exciting times uh, that we've made ourselves an attractive place to, to bring these uh, technologies in for the benefits of patients, the hospitals and, and the commissioners as well. Well, that's good. Um, and over the years, we know that you have succeeded in getting many companies through the UK's NICE and that you've got a particular interest in encouraging technology companies from the US and other international markets into the UK. So given what you've just explained and and the new situation the UK finds itself, what is the opportunity there in the unfolding situation for companies in the UK, would you say? There's those that come into the UK, which we work predominantly with, um, with North American companies. But those already here, you know, there's two parts of this of this uh, story, really. But I think the the opportunities, um, we've got to look at this in, a, in another way. And that is that we've got um, a waiting list, uh, the biggest waiting list ever in the history of the NHS. So there's plenty of work uh, to do and there's plenty of medical devices um, that can be used. Uh, interestingly, there was a, a very good report done from Birmingham that talked about where are these biggest waiting lists and and uh, interestingly they're in the sigmoidoscopy colonoscopy gastroscopy areas they're the biggest waiting lists so anybody in that part of the you know in selling products in in that area are going to find some very lucrative business ahead particularly if they're able to help those hospitals to uh, treat more patients in in less time and and help with operational gain. The waiting list then goes cataract, lower limb, interventional cardiology, you know, urology, uh, skin, bladder, and and down from there. But you know, in the top four, there's cardiology, lower limb, cataracts, and all the all the scoping procedures. So so we've got a huge waiting list. We've got the government saying they're going to make this country easier to bring technologies in. So that's great. More competition. I think what's what's um, what I like about working with North American companies is their interest in and and the mindset and their strategies in uh, selling the problem they solve not the product and I think that's what's really apparent as to what really needs to happen now these companies whoever you are you need to stop saying you can save money because it's getting very boring and it doesn't mean anything the NHS is always going to need to save money what else is it you can bring to solve a problem or what is that problem and if that problem enables a hospital to treat patients faster operational gain faster discharge from hospital 
people, you know, all these minimally invasive products that have come to market in the last 30 years since I've been in over 30 years in the medtech industry. These are the things that have solved problems for the NHS in history and bring and bring more of them over, please. And, and let's get more of them in to help improve the lives of patients and, and help the NHS in this very, very challenging time. So opportunities are amazing at the moment um, for the right companies that are able to sell the problem they solve. And that's not just selling I can save you money stories. As I said, that's a bit boring now. The U- US companies that you speak to, um, your clients, they can see that the, the UK is opening up at the same time that we hear that the medical device regulation in the EU is presenting issues for companies wanting to access that particular market. So in this context, there's an opportunity perhaps for the UK to profile itself as a landing spot um, to launch devices ahead of Europe and allow companies to gather more data in that way. Michael, is that a realistic interpretation? What what do you think are the, the timescales would be for that, if so? Well, I hope so. I mean, we we saw in the announcement that they're putting more money into the MHRA to help accelerate the timelines um, for, for these devices to become approved. I think going back to what you were saying about the uh, the medical device regulations and the CE, I've just come back from North America. I had 47 meetings in in three or four days at a, at a big conference in California. And there there is really quite a, a sort of message out there that these companies are really not interested in Europe at the moment because of the the problems with the medical device regulations, widening the goalposts and, and making it harder. And, you know, these companies are startups, so they need to have a proper time line and a proper understanding of a strategy uh, as they're earning money every month, right? So I think that um, these uh, recent announcements are, are exciting. I think it can put us back up there as the country to go for. The exciting things that the, particularly the US um, and, and other countries who work with the uh, like about our healthcare system is the amount of data that runs through it, that we know, for example, where treatments are performed, where the waiting lists are. And, and when we as device access do, we start looking deeply into this data to help to work out how a technology can help the patients, help the NHS hospitals and the help NHS England deliver better care. You know, it becomes apparent that data is is such a great opportunity and, and a great insight into into how companies can solve can solve the problem they solve, not just the product. So, um, yeah, that's where a lot of the excitement is and and uh, keenness to bring uh, products into the NHS. Um, and it's a great market. I mean, we've got uh, fantastic research um, capabilities with the NIHR. I've worked very closely with the NIHR for, well for 13 years, and the ability to help to connect in industry with investigators in a really fast timeline. We're talking 20, 25 working days, and it's incredible how many people we've helped to connect with leading investigators to do research. So we've got a great market here for people that that think strategically and and use real data um, to, to bring their products to market here. So there's lots of reasons to consider the NHS and 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 help to bring you know great technologies here. Great to have that data and speaking in terms of access to the UK healthcare system and market. And you mentioned NIHR there. What are other ways that um, innovative technologies can make it um, in the UK and not just wither and die uh, waiting for the NHS to pick them up? You know, it's never going to be easy. It's it's the, the NHS and, and like all healthcare systems, you know, everybody's got the best products. Everybody can save money, as they say. I mean, you know, you've got to look at um, the success 
the pharmaceutical industry and how well they've put their value propositions forward with doing early economics and getting the right evidence. And I think that, you know, it's it's about sharpening up. You know, these companies that are wandering around uh, talking to procurement managers that are buying cornflakes, crepe bandages, rubber gloves, and then somebody comes along with a complex £5,000 implant and they wonder why they're saying it's too expensive when, when they haven't actually been talking to the right people. I think that, you know, we as the industry need to look at how the pharmaceutical industry have managed to get expensive drugs into the NHS, how those pharmaceutical companies have lobbied charity groups and managed to get cancer drug funds and all this sort of stuff. It is possible and it's because they show value. It's because they show they solve a problem. They sell the problem they solve, not just the product. So I think there's a great opportunity uh, for, for MedTech to, to, to learn from pharma and, and to start pitching properly and start talking to people in carpeted areas of the hospital and not just the procurement managers and helping also helping the clinicians. Now, you know, we're forgetting that they are the pinnacle of market access. You bring a product to a clinician, they're the ones that will champion it. But the failure of the MedTech industry to actually give that clinician something more useful than a piece of literature saying what the product codes is that they come in a box of 10 and some glorious pictures of a patient looking happy on the front absolutely of no use at all in 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 helping that uh, that doctor to get that product approved i mean the of information now that they expect to complete to actually get a product um, approved in a hospital is massive. Um, you're talking about risk analysis. Um, you're talking about, you know, the explaining the current care pathways, risk of change, risk of not changing. Um, there's a whole environmental thing. There's the economics, there's the budgetary side. I mean, the other thing that people complain about is it takes a long time for the NHS to actually change um, a care pathway. Well, it does if the industry don't actually give the doctors the right information and a business plan to make that transition to help him to get the other parts of the hospital to change practice with, with new treatments. So there's a lot of work um, that we do to help and support those companies. And it's all possible. And But you've really got to have the right information now to help accelerate approvals. And because most of them do go in front of a hospital um, medical device group that, that sign off new treatments and new products. And and over the last 13 years, you know, we've worked really closely with a number of NHS business managers, and some of them work in, in very busy uh, orthopedic hospitals locally. And talking to them, they talk about, well, if people bring us cheaper products, there's a risk associated with using something cheaper. We know what we've got at the moment. We know the outcomes. We know how well what the current product is and how it works and how everybody gets on with it. There's always risk associated with change. And if it's just that it's cheaper, what happens if the product fails or there's a there's a disastrous patient incident that means that it actually wiped out what that saving would be in, in one incident. Um, so it's it's got to be a, more of a story than just being a bit cheaper for, for these hospitals to start changing to new treatments and for them to become the standard of care. And what we're doing constantly and why I was in America recently, I'm going to Ireland next week to the um, MedTech Strategies meeting, is that I'm trying to source um, technologies and trying to talk to companies that have got some really good solutions solutions for the NHS and then helping them to pitch and put that whole model together for why the NHS should, should change. So there's a lot of work that you can do 
in the absence of NICE, where most people don't go, most companies don't go to NICE, but but those that do can get national recommendations and can get embedded within the clinical guidelines of NICE. But there's lots of companies that just work locally on the ground and and negotiate locally with with the hospitals and the commissioners to get their products um, approved. So there's all sorts of journeys you can take, but all healthcare systems across the world can't just buy things um, willy-nilly they have to show value and one of the last things that many medtech companies consider is a decent economic model to show that their technology is cost effective or is affordable um, so there's lots of opportunity here for for things to improve and for companies to interact better a lot of what you talk about is about unlocking value and, and finding solutions. And I wanted to ask you about the value that, that you see that's inherent in perhaps uh, things like the Accelerated Access Collaborative, the HSNs, maybe even the integrated care systems. How valuable, useful are these mechanisms or vehicles for getting innovation into the market, do you think? How do companies make the first move? Well, I think, you know, before you engage with any organisation, really, you know, you've got to do the strategy has got to be around the clinical and economic. Again, I'm, I'm going to keep saying this because I think it's a powerful statement. Sell the problem you solve, not the product. Think about what problem you solve and please don't think money at the top. Think about the other things that the products are solved. But I, I think that, you know, it's exciting. Uh, I think with the ICS is that, that there's going to be a, a better blend of primary and secondary care going on uh, and particularly challenging with with digital technologies that benefit patients outside of hospitals, um, having an infrastructure that can help to manage patients remotely and out of hospital is all part of what NHS England wants. Um, unfortunately, money has not still followed for many of these digital companies, and there's so many of them. And it's very challenging because who's going to pay for these digital things? And if they're going to pay for them, you need to show the value properly in, in decent economics. But I think going back to the, the whole idea ICS thing, having a, a better connection between primary and secondary care and, and helping to um, move money around and to treat patients in, in their homes is the way forward. But I don't think we're seeing anything like the adoption of these technologies that I would hope to have seen. We know that people are blocking. We know that there's enough technology around that's completely proven over many years now. I started seeing this stuff back, you know, 12 years ago in America where patients can have wearable sensors and can be you know, managed and 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 we know what's uh you know what's happening with them, temperature, blood pressure. And I, I, I'm hoping that the um as as the ICS is developed that they can help to bring more technologies like that that will take the pressure off secondary care and beds and facilities and helping to use real technology to, to 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 manage patients at home and 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 sooner at home following surgery or for long-term chronic conditions so that's why i'm excited about the ics thing um but i think you know at, at the end of the day you know you've got to really think about the problem you're solving understanding where you can go and 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 where technology can really make a difference to the um to what we call the principles of market access so i'll talk a bit more about this um, you know, there's the principles of marketing that everybody seems to think of uh, an old uh, 1960s rhetoric, which was product, price, place, promotion. And product, price, place, promotion doesn't work in medtech 
uh, really. Product price place. You know, the second thing is price. I mean, pharmaceutical companies, uh, if they're bringing a drug to market, then the first thing they think is price. The first thing they think is, okay, so what can we charge for this drug? How can we optimize that price? Is it going to be worth us spending billions or millions of pounds developing a pharmaceutical? And are we going to get return on investment? Um, Whereas medtech seem to make products and then do a few interviews with doctors or procurement managers and then set the price and it's totally backwards. So going back to the whole, um, you know, how do we start here? Pricing is so important. It has a reflection on the company's value, has a reflection on their, you know, profits and success and the ability to continue. And and many, many of them don't. So I think that it's about, you know, going back and and trying to understand the value proposition sooner um, before they go into development technologies is really important and i think that you know taking a a a sort of going back to the farmer approach is where medtech really need to start being there to be able to bring those technologies and be able to successfully interact with these ics's that i'm sure are keen to talk to medtech but but you know going along with the piece of the literature saying you know with a nice picture of a patient on and saying they come in a box of tenants the best products on the market isn't enough to get through the door these days so they're there to interact with and I think that as I say, industry need to sharpen up to to be able to go in and talk to them. So in your travels outside the, the UK, are you are you sensing that companies are experiencing renewed enthusiasm about the possibilities for the UK market and how things are about to change? Um, I mean, this is really new information that we got on the 15th of March from the budget. So um, I'm doing my best to get that news out there. Unfortunately, a lot of US companies think that we're under the MDR still. And, and you know, they've sort of uh, considered other markets, obviously America first. I mean, most of this stuff comes from America, uh, but they know regulations are difficult. And, uh, you know, whichever country you go to and uh, I think that uh, any announcement like we just had saying that we're, we want to be the fastest for market access in the world is, is really encouraging. So it will trickle down and put, people will be asking more questions about what does this look like as we see more going on over the next few weeks and months, um, because this is announced to start kicking off in 24, which isn't too far away. So I'm hoping that that, you know, it will happen. I'm sure it will. Uh, it makes complete sense for companies to do research here. The thing that we hear consistently, and particularly from the US market, is that they like, um, you know, we've got a lot of really powerful thought leaders here, um, powerful key opinion leaders in some of the leading, you know, the best university hospitals in the world. And and I think that there's a lot of interest in the UK from the US market. They, they like working with the UK doctors, speak the same language and there's a lot of credibility there because we know for example in the US market there's another dimension to the principles of market access and that is physician so you've got some patient um, provider payer and product benefits in the US you have to show some form of benefit for the physician doing the treatment and that involves money and that involves reimbursing the doctor for doing these new therapies and and I think the US know that and and i explained that a uk doctor is like a 
a New York fireman. They don't carry business cards and it doesn't matter how many fires they put out. They still get the same salary. You know, they get paid a salary and they work essentially for the government. But there's a lot of credibility there that doctors are using products here because they want to, because they want to use them because they're going to benefit the patients and the healthcare system. And I think that goes a long way in in, in credibility. So, yeah, there, there's there's always been a strong link between us and the US. Um in terms of, uh, you know, bringing uh, clinicians and technologies together. And, you know, there's not there's not a lack of interest and continual interest in that. So hence why we I think we've done we do more clinical research studies than any other country in Europe um, that, that companies do want to engage um, in the and do want to bring their products here so this is a really exciting um, announcement and and uh, you know hopefully we're we'll see a lot more people coming here with their with their products there's certainly need for change as we talked about earlier with the waiting lists and um and the nhs needs technology i think sir bruce keogh said the ex-medical director of nhs england it's technology that's going to save the nhs and that's encouraging as well well, and talking about the NHS, you said companies like doing research here and the, the opinion leaders are, are much valued. So the NHS, how is that seen overseas, maybe in the context of all of this change that's happening at the moment? Is that an extra trump card, as it were? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it really is. And I, I think that, you know, the, these uh, the, these thought leaders, these investigators and, and the whole infrastructure of the NHS, um, you know, we talked about the NIHR. I mean, what's really different about our healthcare system versus many across the world, and particularly the American healthcare system, is it's essentially one organisation. I know it's very fragmented, but it's it's the NHS, right? So I know um, for example, in um, talking to many companies in the US, that reimbursement and getting coverage with multiple payers and multiple providers is is a complex game. And we've I know we've got, uh, you know, we've got each hospital we interact with. But as I say, it is under the NHS. But one of my clients in Minneapolis, for example, I know have more people in reimbursement talking to these different payers uh, and, and insurance companies there's more people in the reimbursement department than there are in engineering so that's how complicated it is to get things covered in the United States with all the multiple payers and providers so that's what makes it simple really in a way that we are talking about you know we understand the tariffs that are paid between the, the ICSs and the hospitals for different interactions we have this data flowing all the way through it we know the waiting list size and uh, you know there's a lot of information here that that makes our market really attractive um, to help those companies to bring um, technologies to solve problems. So final question then, the future for the UK, as you've expressed it, should be in value and outcomes and solving problems. So could you give us some final brief closing thoughts on the opportunity at hand um, if companies, medtech companies, have the wherewithal to seize it? Another thing I, I didn't mention about the opportunity here is, you know, over the last sort of 13 years, we've worked with several uh, medtech companies that have managed to get nice recommendation that's led to coverage in other countries. So I haven't expanded on that, but, you know, one of them we worked with about seven years ago, we got nice recommendation that led to 150 million patients being covered in the United States under Blue Cross Blue Shield and Anthem. So, you know, this market is, is a gem. You just need to know how to deal with it. So, you know, having more of these companies coming here, seeing this 
this new opportunity with the UK saying they want to streamline uh, approvals for, for regulatory approvals. Uh, the opportunity is massive. It's never been, you know, where else can you see how big the waiting lists are and and, and where where technologies are needed? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. It's a great thing that we've been able to do, obviously, leaving the European Union with Brexit. So, um, yeah, I think just these companies, as I say, just need to up their skills and and learn more, and um, and we're we'll be delighted to help them. And it goes back to, you know, making sure that that the technologies benefit patients, benefit the care providers that use them, benefits the payers that pay the care providers to use them, and that's the ICSs and NHS England. And then um, for companies to to work out how to optimise their selling price because. You know, many of them have spent many years and many millions in developing these great solutions. So it's about, um, you know, how do you price that um, accordingly so that you get value out of the journey as well? Because that's what it's about. So. So, yeah, I'm very excited about it. And I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to talk about uh, the opportunities here in the National Health Service. Thank you, Michael Brannigan Harris, Head of Device Access Consultancy, for a fascinating insight into the unfolding opportunities in the UK for MedTech and goodbye for now.